if you'd like to read along, today's scripture is printed in your worship folder and is taken from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 18. And I'll be reading the Revised Standard Version. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may prove what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I bid every one among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith which God has assigned him. For as in one body we have many members, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, he who teaches in his teaching, he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who contributes in liberality, he who gives aid with zeal, he who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Never flag in zeal. Be aglow with the Spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in your hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Repay no one evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all. Thank you, Kristen. Shall we pray? O Lord, our God, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Give us grace to receive your truth in faith and in love, that we may be obedient to your will and live always for your glory as living sacrifices. Through Christ we pray. Amen. It seems that we are always beginning. We have a tendency to speak about how we have started or are starting our journey of faith. And to some people that seems redundant because they say, well, we began that a long time ago. And that could be true, yet each new day is a new beginning, a reaffirmation of our desire to be a follower of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. So once again, the journey begins. We look forward to becoming a community of believers, and we long to be that which is brought into being by the very one we claim to follow. 
So here, in the late summer and the beginning of fall, when some things are winding down, other things are starting up, it's time for us to remember who we are and to whom we have pledged our ultimate allegiance. I once read that during experiments aboard the space shuttle Columbia, scientists discovered there are 26 lakes beneath the Sahara Desert. It's heartrending to think of people starving and dying of thirst because there are hidden resources not far from them that are undiscovered and untapped. In a similar way, there are a number of spiritual resources that lie untapped, both in our church and in our personal lives. So I think the problem is we have perhaps not drilled down deep enough that we've wanted to remain superficial and we lose some of those valuable resources that God has already given to us and we miss what the Christian life is all about. In Romans 12, Paul gets extremely practical in his letter to the Romans on how to live, and this little phrase has been important throughout our Roman series, how to live in Christ. And living in Christ means that we respond to God in Christ with authentic faith, making sure we offer our entire selves to Christ. Drilling down is a good place to start here at verses 1 and 2 of Romans 12, because Paul challenges us to make an offering to God that is greater and more costly than anything that we throw in the offering plate or the offering box or greater than any time that we give to the church in its ministries. It is something far more basic, ourselves, that God wants us to give. The RSV reads, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I really love the Message Bible uh, translation of this verse, which says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Chapter 12 makes a shift from theology to practice. Uh, That's kind of artificial, but you can see that, that Paul's been talking a lot about uh, theological truths, and he follows a similar pattern in other letters where he writes the foundation of what he is about to teach, and then he gives the practical application later in the letter. Theology is never meant to be cold and lifeless. There's always a practical application that flows from it, a life lived for Christ. And it's as if Paul is saying in this first verse, based on everything that I have just said, here's what I want you to do. This is basically a job description for every Christian person. Uh, The immediate context of the opening words is the profound uh, doxology that Paul closes chapter 11 with. Of course, he didn't have those chapter divisions, but... It's what immediately proceeds. Oh, the depth, and by the way, we respond 
to the good news of the gospel today with these words, but I want to share them now too. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him to receive a gift in return? For from him and, and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Now, based on all that God has done, Paul then says, I appeal to you, therefore. Even though Paul could have commanded his readers, he makes an appeal to them. He does a similar thing in Ephesians 4. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. That same word, urge and appeal, is the same original Greek word, and it means to invite, to call near. And notice he's speaking very personally, indicating his affection for them as members of God's family. He's pleading with them as believers, not unbelievers. He makes this plea by the mercies of God. And the original word used is plural for mercies, meaning many mercies, a multitude of mercies. God is not merciful once, but over and over again and again. God is consistently and constantly full of mercy. John Calvin once said that we will never worship with a sincere heart or serve God with unbridled zeal until we properly understand how much we are indebted to God's mercy. God has demonstrated so much mercy to us that if we're really honest with ourselves, there's nothing else we can do except surrender our lives to him, except to be in recipients of that mercy. It's interesting that Paul doesn't say, in light of God's grace, as he said when speaking of the remnant back in chapter 11, instead he focuses on mercy. Why is that? Well, let me uh, tell you the distinction between grace and mercy. I think you've heard it from me before, but I'll repeat it again. God's grace is demonstrated when we get something we don't deserve. And God's mercy is shown when we don't get something that we do deserve. Let me repeat that. God's grace is when we get something that we don't deserve. God's mercy is when we don't get something that we do deserve. Micah 7, the prophet writes, Who is a God like you? Who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. That reminds me of the man who stormed into a photography studio complaining about the quality of his photographs. He smashed his fist on the counter and he fumed, Sir, these pictures do not do me justice. To which the photographer responded, Sir, with a face like yours, you don't want justice, you want mercy. Be careful about asking for justice. You might just get it. It's God's mercies we really want. Lamentations 3, through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed 
because he is, his compassions, they fail not. Paul suggests three ways to offer ourselves to God. Let me lay them out for you. First, with our body. We are urged in view of the mercies of God to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Uh, the message version, again, which I really am fond of, take your everyday ordinary life and place it before God as an offering. Paul purposely uses the word offer, which is a technical term that describes bringing and presenting a sacrifice to God in the temple. Temple worship included sacrifice, and an offering at the temple was made once for all. And to offer uh, means to bring that to God, and the owner would lay hands on the beast, whatever it was, uh, a lamb, uh, a dove, etc., etc., and symbolically say, this animal is taking my place. The animal was then killed, the blood sprinkled on the altar. The idea of a living sacrifice, however, must have been entirely novel to Paul's hearers and readers. This was something they had not heard of before, except maybe in the case of Abraham, where he nearly sacrificed his son Isaac to God, but was prevented from doing that. When we're called to present our bodies to the Lord, we are exhorted to offer our total being not just little bits and pieces of who we are, but everything we have, every part of us. God wants us to be completely committed to him. As someone once joked, uh, the problem with living sacrifices is they keep crawling off the altar. So with our bodies, the second way we offer to God is with our mind. Verse one calls for a full commitment. Verse two tells us, how we can maintain that commitment by renewing our mind and not following the pattern of this world. The verb tense indicates that we must stop conforming, implying that this is something that we normally do in life. But we're to stop it, we're to put an end to it. If we're serious about living for Christ, we must focus on being transformed, not conformed. And the word transform refers to an inner change. That is, God changes us from the inside out. Uh, there, he uses the word metamorphosis, uh, that, which is not something we can do for ourselves. It must be done to us. So this living sacrifice is made upon the mercies of God, and the Holy Spirit accomplishes the transforming of our minds. By renewing our minds, the pattern of selfishness uh, is transformed. And again, I like what the message says. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. And the third way we offer ourselves to God is with our will. It's no use sitting around waiting to have the will of God revealed to us. Many people seem to reach out to God. What is your will when they're uh, changing employment, when they're uh, moving to a new location, when they're getting ready to choose a spouse? But the fact is that we learn God's will by doing God's will. If you wonder what God's will is for your life, start out by living Romans 12. 
this great description of a Christian life. We tend to focus on God's will only in times of need, but God's limitless resources remain untapped if we don't focus on God's will every morning that we crawl out of bed, every day that we get up. Kristen Schell once wrote on the High Calling blog uh, about verse 13 in this scripture reading, a truly practical offering we can make is this, to be inventive in hospitality. Kristen tells a story about the summer she turned nine. She survived leaving home for the first time. She was a real homebody. And the, just the thought of going away to camp for a week made her stomach queasy. Despite incessant pleas to skip summer entirely, <clears throat> she was sent to youth camp and became a very homesick camper. Kristen says, I can't remember the names of any of my cabin mates. I can't even remember the name of my counselor, but I do remember my horse's name. The other girls rode horses with names like Honey, Briar Rose, Buttercup. My horse was named No Count. And I thought, this horse's name harbors some kind of hidden meaning for me. So I struggled to fit in, wondering if it mattered at all. On the third night of camp, she says, my counselor scooched over to make room for me at supper. Come sit here, she motioned to Kristen, and she patted a spot on the bench next to her. There's plenty of room. Kristen says, the words still echo. My heart quickened. By the time we circled up for campfire that evening, I felt a warmth greater than the flames in front of me. It was just a tiny gesture, a small scooch over to the left, but one that I recall four decades later. I was invited in. A place was made for me. I received the welcome I so desperately wanted and needed. Kristen goes on to write about Romans 12, verse 13, saying, hospitality is taking every opportunity to open your life and your home to others. Simply put, hospitality means making room. In our busy, task-oriented lives, it's hard to make room for others. We have little or no margins built into our schedules. The thought of hosting dinners, overnight guests, or neighborhood potlucks can be just overwhelming. Hospitality feels like one more box to check. However, the seeds of hospitality were planted in my heart all those years ago at youth camp. I learned that despite my horse's name, I counted. I counted in the eyes of those who loved and nurtured a pitiful homesick girl, but mostly I learned that I counted in the eyes of God. Sacrifice and service. These are the overarching themes of Romans chapter 12. And as followers of Christ, we are called to take our everyday ordinary life, our sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. At times, that offering means extending hospitality to someone else. Or as Christian would say, just scooch over and make room for someone. Amen.
Thank you for joining us. A video recording of this service can be found on YouTube or Facebook by searching for Kenmar Church.